0: I told you guys to open up the last episode, this was Friday, Friday morning, that Ron Hextall was going to get fired within a few hours. And sure enough, within a few hours, he was fired. And guess what? It turns out that was the easy part. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. and This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out all summer long. Hextall's gone. Brian Burke is gone. Chris Pryor, the assistant GM, is gone. That's cleaning house. Because even the portion of the house that hasn't been cleaned can and likely will be cleaned by the incoming general manager, if the Penguins get themselves someone of quality. And when I say the Penguins, of course, I mean the Boston Red Sox. Fenway Sports Group's main interest, Dave Beeston, finally made an appearance on the scene, spoke with reporters, referred to the Penguins almost as this third-party entity. Today is a tough day for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Spoke about how he lives in Boston and came to Pittsburgh to work out of a hotel. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, look, I can get into the subject of the absentee ownership and what a joke it is on some other show, but I just have to throw that much in today. Here's hoping that at the very, very freaking least, FSG puts what it has, puts a real effort and real money into bringing in the best possible people to run this team. To their credit, and I don't say many good things about them, they do come with that reputation. They have a belief that uh, almost anything in sports can be addressed through elite management. So they're off to a solid start in that regard by recognizing that these guys weren't it. And now. As I said, it gets tough because, first of all, we don't know who's going to be conducting this search. Uh, we know that Beeston has zero qualifications to do that. We know that Kevin Acklin, the president of business operations, who was seated next to Beeston at this press conference, has even less of a qualification to do that. And who's going to do this? You know, you are just going to hire a one of those search firms and hope for the best. I'm sure they are, actually. I'm sure they are. I actually don't see another way around that. You can hope that Mario comes back and Mario gets a little bit involved, but then, you know, Mario didn't exactly veto the Hextall hiring. Mario wasn't really involved in that portion of that process, but Mario could have stepped in and said, whoa, hey, no. Mario did jump in late and say, let's... Let's hire Berkey. And Berkey comes along and doesn't exactly distinguish himself. So, search firm? I'm sure it'll be a Boston-based search firm, so you're probably going to get some other Boston connection here. Meanwhile, and don't make me point this out, there are real live good GMs all across the NHL who had Pittsburgh ties, uh, could have been here, already were here, you know, whether it's Billy Garen, Tom Fitzgerald, Jason Bottrell, Ron Francis, but um, I'm not going to take this one too far because then I sound provincial and myopic and whatever else. Here's hoping for the best there. How's that? But what has to happen now is that you have to bring in somebody who is qualified, who ideally has some, any sense for hockey in Pittsburgh, and Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and everyone else that's involved, and understands that there's next to nothing in the system. There's not much at all in Wilkes-Barre. There's possibly even less in other storage areas of the system. And oh, by the way, your predecessor completely screwed you over when it comes to the salary cap situation. Oh, wait, wait. And you don't have a goaltender signed. Okay. <laughs> Did I even mention Jason Zucker who you absolutely unequivocally need to bring back? I mean, this is, this is the challenge that's ahead. And within all of that. The the root issue remains that as long as Crosby's here, you're trying to win the cup. Over the weekend at the locker cleanout, Sid was asked if he sees this team still in some capacity as being close to contending for the cup. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, that's something you earn, and you know you go through things during the year. And uh, but it's it's easy to sit here and say it on the outside and look in. But we didn't we didn't earn it. So um, you know I don't think we're far by any means. But uh, you know we didn't uh, we didn't find a way to to get in there, and it's it's tough because you know there's not a lot of separation. I mean, you know Boston had an incredible year, and um, you know that's. You know, that's pretty rare to see what they're doing, but for the most part after that, all the teams are pretty close. So it's it's a matter of getting in there and then seeing what happens and just not to be able to get in there. Um, you know, that's uh, that's tough, but yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, that's something that you have to earn the right to kind of be in that conversation, and unfortunately to didn't do that. You know what's crazy is, is the sentiment isn't that far off. You can snicker at it if you want because of where the Penguins are. Stanley Cup playoffs begin tonight. They're not even one of the 16 participants. That would make it appear that they're nowhere near anything of the kind. However, as I've been telling you for months now, the Penguins have the hardest part to acquire. The top six forwards are the hardest thing to build in hockey. And the Penguins had six guys who produced not at a good, not at a very good, not even at a great level. They were at an elite level when it came to five on five scoring. They stunk on the power play. That's something I feel it can be addressed through coaching. But when you're talking about the hardest parts of the roster to build, they've already got that, including, you know, two or three guys that you can really trust to be top guys on your, on your defensive core. So I can promise you that's what Sid has in his head when he says that. And from there, all it would have taken all along, and again, I'm repeating stuff that I've been saying here for months, not just after the fact, was just a bunch of pluggers with some energy to make things easier on the guys who were doing all the producing. Insane. Absolutely insane. When we come back, J1Q. J1Q comes from Mark, who says, DK, I'll accept your your feelings on Mike Sullivan and accept him continuing as head coach. What about his assistant coaches? Their role has to be something more than ceremonial, and for legitimate reasons, they should be considered for replacement to help the team in specific areas, such as power play and penalty kill. Uh, Power play. I... uh, Touched on this at the end of the previous segment. And the power play is a complicated thing in Pittsburgh because I can tell you without hesitation, without apology, that Todd Reardon's hands to a very, very large extent are tied by the members of PP1. Okay. Now that is facilitated by the head coach, obviously. And so it's unfair, I think, to an extent to say that Reardon just has no concept of a power play or how it works, that he's just a terrible coach, has no imagination, keeps running the same schemes because I don't know that how much of it he has anything to do with. Uh, yes, you will see him with a dry erase board when there's a timeout before a critical power play. And you will see the players locked in and paying attention to him. But you won't see any real change over the course of 82 games. Even when the second power play unit comes on the rink right after them and embarrasses them by just, you know, shooting the puck, getting it on net, having bodies there and stuff like that. Crazy stuff, right? To me, a lot of this is going to have to depend on the personnel changing, but also uh, a changing of the mindset from Sullivan on down. I am not going to sit here and say that Reardon is or isn't the answer when it comes to guiding the power play, because I feel like I don't know, because I feel like he hasn't been allowed to do the job to the best of his ability. There again, we come back to whoever ends up being the new GM Sullivan has to understand that he did not have a great season, okay? I've made that point, and some people, unfortunately, whether they're listening to this show or reading my columns, can't dovetail, how can you support Sullivan while at the same time criticizing him? Well, that's kind of easy, you know? Sports aren't politics. You don't just have to take one side and stick to it, absolutely. Absolutely. I saw shortcomings in his performance this year, plain and simple. I still feel he's the best head coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins this coming season. Okay? Those are pretty easy for me to uh, to dovetail. And one of the many things I'd like to see the new GM come in and, and tell everyone, chiefly Sullivan, is that you can't just stick with stuff when it isn't working. You can't stick by it. My goodness, through the final period of the game in Columbus, he wouldn't let some of these things go. But that's also where the GM comes in with personnel. A big part of the problem with PP1 is that your net front guy is Jake Gensel. Now, Jake is crafty there, and Jake does score a lot of goals. And if you know, as a GM or head coach or at any level of the organization that you're going to get 35 to 40 goals out of somebody you don't take that away from them but jake does not need to be a net front guy in order to do that i believe that this team needs another patrick hornquist and i believe that this team needs that on the first power play Who suffers for that? I don't know, but I really wouldn't worry about hurting feelings after the kind of showing that we saw from that unit all season long. I want Ricard Raquel on it. The numbers support me. Not just the advanced analytics, I'm talking about all the goals he scored and all the power play points he had. If I have Jeff Petrie on my roster at any age, and I'm not utilizing him on the first power play, I'm out of my mind. I'm out of my mind. The guy's a machine at the point. Please let it stick in your head. For months, that performance that he had in Tampa, where he almost single-handedly wrecked the lightning. You know why? Because Chris Tang had gotten hurt in that game. and didn't come back until about midway through the third period, if memory serves. that's That's not how this is supposed to go, you know? Go with two-point men. I don't know. Split Sid and Gino. Do something. But if this this isn't it. You can't worry about egos or, or anything of the kind when it comes to something that's this important. So all of this, you know, the, the endorsement that I give to Sullivan and, and anyone else – who's coming back shouldn't be taken to mean that I was 100% okay with everything that everyone did. Of course not. Of course not. There's work to be done and a ton of it and it's going to take one hell of a sports executive to pull that off. I appreciate the question. It was a very good one. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins and as you can tell, we have no shortage of stuff to talk about